good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. The late Patty Fink is very late this week. She'll be in next No, she won't be in next week. She'll be in the week after next. She's busy with election stuff. Yep. She'll be guesting. She'll I mean, this, as often as she's in, she should be like a guest, a frequent guest. A frequent <laughs> or a frequent host. Uh -huh. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it is pledge drive I was just going to announce. But the phone's already been ringing. Phone's been ringing. Let's keep it ringing. Don't let that keep you from calling. Though. Yeah. Nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three is the number. Uh, but we'll give you more information about that as soon as Gene, our phone taker, pledge taker person here in the studio, is off the phone. Our guest today is Leslie McMurray. She's the transgender advocate at Resource Center. She's an abortion advocate. She's a birth control advocate. And she's just an all-around pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Leslie. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the news, a lot. Yeah. And one of the things is this constant or this increasing um, news about how to keep trans kids from um, getting the health care that they need um, in transitioning. And what we really haven't talked about or was kind of missing for the conversation is what that does to them mentally. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I had, uh, it's, it's interesting, I've had a request from a uh, significantly sized Texas uh, um, segment of the Texas government that asked for training on LGBTQ mental health. Uh, I did an interview with USA Today last Wednesday and they wanted to talk about LGBTQ youth mental health. Uh, there was a report that was issued by the Center for Disease Control and it showed that uh, LGBTQ youth are disproportionately affected uh, with mental health issues because of what's been going on mm -hmm. with the uh, rulings regarding transgender athletes participating in sports and implying that that because it, it the reason it's well, one of the reasons it's problematic is the message that it sends is you're conditionally who you are it's like for a trans girl they're saying you're a girl in every part of your life and we respect that and the school respects that and pronouns and all that until you step on a soccer field and then you're a boy really right not so much and you know, some of the other statistics uh, that we've seen already is like in Utah, for instance, they ended up with one of these laws. And the legislature put it forth. The governor vetoed it because he said, I want these kids to live. The, the governor of Utah recognized the danger to their mental health of enacting one of these laws. The legislature said, now nah, we're going to overturn your veto and force this law in. Now, here's, the, here's Utah by the numbers. They have 75,000 student-athletes in the state of Utah. You know how many of them are transgender? Four. You know how many of them are transgender girls? One. So they went through all this rigmarole to jack over one kid. One kid who's wow. not setting state records or causing problems in any way. But it's just that mean-spiritedness that we're seeing now that serves no public good, no legitimate state interest, but it harms some of the most marginalized kids. And there's a legal term for that, and it's been ruled unconstitutional in every single case, and that's animus. And if you look up animus, it's a, a Latin term that what it means is singling out marginalized groups for adverse treatment because they can, because there's no political repercussions to hauling off and punching transgender kids in the nose. One kid isn't a group. No. 
but so they're part the, of the group. So how's that kid doing? I don't know. I have no idea. I Probably not very good. Yeah. I would guess, if I just had to take a, a guess. Okay. And so that's the athletics part of it. And just the debate is what's damaging to these kids, because they're aware that their fate is being mm -hmm. debated by their state legislature, and they're saying, the people that we send there that are supposed to stand up against bullies are themselves the bullies that are harming me. So it doesn't give them much hope for things. So it, that is really emotionally damaging. Uh, and then we've got uh, a case here in Texas where our governor has issued an opinion that so far is being held up in the courts, thank goodness. But he says that medically necessary affirming care to transgender juveniles is child abuse. And it's funny because he would force, and I don't mean funny haha, -ha, but really odd, that the Department of Family uh, and Health Services, what is it, the, the DFPS, uh, would, has never in the past investigated this as child abuse, ever. There's no history for it at all until he came along and said, hey, why don't you start investigating the families of trans kids? The other thing uh, is that there's a designation that CPS uses, the uh, Child Protective Services, uh, called risk zero. Uh, and that is assessing that there is no risk, there is no evidence of child abuse, uh, there's no further investigation needed. We knocked on the door, it's a loving family, everything's cool, kids cool, parents cool, there's no abuse there. He will not allow, in his opinion, for CPS to rate any of these cases as uh, risk zero, which is a violation of um, due process, if you ask me. Um, so it's, it's really problematic. It's not child abuse, but that opinion, if it's allowed to stand, uh, would require CPS to investigate the families of these uh, trans kids. And it also puts into jeopardy license holders, like a therapist or a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher mm -hmm. or a pharmacist. There's a whole class of people that ordinarily their conversations have an expectation of privacy, like attorney-client privilege, doctor-patient privilege, or with a therapist. But because child abuse is a duty-to-report class, means within 48 hours they have to report this evidence of child abuse. And so there's a therapist, talks to a kid, and the kid is speaking from their heart in this room with closed doors with an expectation of privacy. Uh -uh. So now this therapist would have to rat out the client, call the state, initiate a CPS investigation. That child may be taken from their parents and put in the broken foster care system of Texas. And the parents would have to hire an attorney for themselves, but another attorney for the kid because there's different interests there. So they would have two separate attorneys going on. You could bankrupt families, possibly have kids taken away from loving, affirming families. If they don't report it, they could lose their license. But if a therapist is supposed to report child abuse, why have none of them reported Greg Abbott? for committing child abuse, because that, that's the one who's responsible for the child abuse. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a, a valid case, because mm -hmm. he's causing a lot of issues and angst and mental health and anxiety and depression and possible suicide. And the Trevor Hotline backs that up. Have, you, I, no, have you seen the ad that Amber Briggle did for GLAAD? I think I did, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. running nationally. Yeah. Amber's mm -hmm. been on our show a couple mm -hmm. of times. Yeah. While some families are running from Texas, and rightfully so, mm -hmm. Amber's st sticking to it, and she's running for the Denton City Council and mm -hmm. doing national ads about 
how there is no child abuse going on in the homes of trans youth. Yeah, and yeah. She, she just lost, actually. The, the election was yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was close. It was very close. I think she lost by less than 450 votes. Mm, mm. So, yeah. But stay in there, Amber. Keep, keep the good fight up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to the mental issues, aside from the Trevor Project, do you know if, if any groups are reaching out to these kids and families? Because, you know, the parents of these kids, that's, that's mentally taxing on them also. Yeah, it is. But here's the extra added problem that makes this extra insidious. Is that ordinarily, if someone is infuriated by something that the state government is doing, one of the remedies is to go and testify before the legislature, mm -hmm. get in front of the committee and get in front of the legislature themselves, and to say, this is wrong, it's unacceptable, here's the evidence, yada, yada, yada. If a parent does that, they expose themselves to future investigation because you have yeah. to give your name, your address, your contact information in order to testify. You can't do it anonymously. And so parents aren't doing that. They aren't coming out. They're scared to death. Because if this lawsuit goes the wrong way or if the legislature passes a bill that goes the wrong way, uh, they could end up being investigated. So instead of speaking out, they're having to, in this particular case, uh, stay very quiet about it. So, yeah, we do want to make it clear. It is just an opinion at this point. Yeah, it doesn't it carry not, the force of law. It's not law. And there is a lawsuit that's been filed by the ACLU and Lambda Legal, uh, which has uh, asked for and received an injunction into investigation of the families listed in that original complaint. So it's not uh, investigating anybody right now. It's not carrying the force of law right now. But if they lose that lawsuit and if the legislature decides to vote it in, uh, it's a different story. Right. And what, what other, some, some other state has made it law. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, is Several. It, I believe it was Arkansas that has one. Uh, Mississippi? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, or Alabama. I, I, th I think it was Alabama. 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 Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, don't think, though, it never Florida happened here. Florida can't be too far behind. Florida, Florida can't be too far behind. They've already passed they, a Don't Say Gay bill. they got to so. stay on brand, you know. Right, right. Well... Well, it is Pledge Drive here at KNON. Hey! <laughs> Give us a call. Send us money. Yeah, okay. Uh, do we accept cash? We do accept like cash. Like if somebody wants to run down, just like throw a bag of cash. We, no, no questions asked. You know, we had one pledger who uh -huh. at least twice a year would come to the studio, hand us cash. We put it in our envelope, slide it under the door of our Pledge uh -huh. Drive manager, and uh, she passed away last year. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. She would come up all the yeah. time and, and donate. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but I do want to thank our pledgers so far. Rebecca, thank you very much. Candy, thanks. We love you. Uh, Viv, love you too. Patty, Carl. Send money. Give us a call so we can call out your name live on the air. And we do have uh, Gene standing by to take your calls. And if Gene gets busy, I'll take your call. Go call us, 972-647-1893. Or you can just go online to knon.org and hit the Pledge Now button. You'll see all the pledge premiums come up um, while she's not here, and I know she's not listening. Uh, do you know what I got for my pledge premium? <laughs> Let me guess. The so-called ladies' pink tea. The ladies' pink tea, yes. It, it'll be a gift for Patty. It'll be a gift nice. for Patty. How much do you have to donate to get the steak knives? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but we 
do have uh, um, other colors of shirts. We we don't have the quite rainbow, but we have the uh, the black tee with the gorgeous blue bonnet. Um, yeah, it's one of the prettiest t-shirts it really is. Canon Wins ever made. Yeah, so you can get the, either one of those tees for a pledge of $50 um, from small up to your thing, 4XL. You know what you can see if you come by the studio to give us your cash or check? Um, one of the ugliest KNON hats, it dates from like 1980-something when mm -hmm. KNON was at 90.7, I think. 90.9. 90.9. So uh, one of the first three years we were on the air, ugliest hat. Hey, it's, it's, it's vintage now. It is vintage, but it's vintage ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so so well, can, can people call and get it? No, you can't get that. Uh, it's just on display in this gotcha. showcase right outside the studio. Well, but we do have caps available. Uh, those are available also for a $50 pledge. Yeah. How much to get one of those plaques on the wall? Uh, to get one of the plaques on the wall is a $1,000 pledge. And um, we had one of them was from our old board operator. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's up here somewhere. Uh, Josh, 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 Josh. It, well, it doesn't say Josh. Actually, he says, yeah, his birth name, Christopher. Yeah. Uh, it's up there somewhere. But and, he which did. he thinks he still has the right to use. <laughs> Anyway, um, we're talking to Leslie McMurray. She's a uh, resource center resident, pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's never proudly. happy. Proudly pain in the butt, never happy about anything. Um, you know, we were talking about. That's not true. <laughs> we were talking about Mother's Day a little bit last oh, week. Oh, yeah, by the way, happy Mother's Day. Okay. But she's not a mother. No. Just like you said. Wait a minute. She has kids. She I does know, have I'm kids. I'm her dad. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. Yeah. So, okay, we should talk about that. Well, that's what I want <laughs> to talk about. What do you consider yourself to be to your two daughters? I'm their parent. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, this is kind of interesting. I saw if I can share the story. Sure. It's when I was very first transitioning. It was absolute abject chaos. And my ex had, had called a mover to move her stuff to California. The guy showed up. Uh, we had a 4,500-square-foot house and a ton of other stuff. Uh, and he shows up with the smallest little U-Haul trailer that they make, just one like you haul behind a Datsun. Uh, and so I was just arguing with this guy. I said, you're going to need to go back with either another 20 of these or a truck uh, to haul this stuff. And so I was going back with him, and the phone rang, and it was my oldest daughter. And she said, Happy Father's Day. And I went, ugh. Uh, and so I said, I'm right in the middle of messing around with this mover. Can I call you back? And she said, sure. I just wanted to ask you something. I said, okay, great. No problem. I'll call you back. So I called her back and like an hour later, and I got voicemail. And I called her two or three more times during the day, but I could never get her because she's also a mom. And her family is doing the whole Mother's Day thing, so I figure she is busy. So uh, I was kicking myself because I didn't get out in front of this. It's not something I had predicted. I mean, it, it was just, it was among the things that are out there, this wasn't one of them. It just caught me completely by surprise. So I called her the next day. I was driving back down to Marble Falls where I was um, living with Katie. And so uh, I had some time on 35 heading south, so I called her up. And she says, oh, sorry, yeah, we got a lot going on, yada, yada. 
and I said, well, what do you want to ask me? And she said, well, uh, a lot of my friends and stuff were putting pictures of them and their dad up on their, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, that kind of stuff. And she said, I want to put one up of you and me. And I said, well, of course, sure. Well, what did you want to put up? And she said, the one of you walking me down the aisle. And I just started crying. It was just... I didn't want to say, you know, I would never say no, don't, and I'm not ashamed of myself or who I ever was. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's just a really important and beautiful picture, uh, and that she wanted to share it, you know, kind of warm my heart. Mm -hmm. But we don't, uh, my daughters and I don't celebrate Mother's Day or Father's Day because they're these odd gendered holidays that just neither one feels right. So I think it's been around for probably 20 years now. It's called Transparent Day, which is the first Sunday in November. And so we celebrate Transparent Day. Uh, and so they get us cards and goodies and all kinds of stuff. And it's on the first Sunday in November. And Transparent Day is much more clear. It is. <laughs> Very good. Very good. It is. Well, we've learned something new today. Yeah. Because we were talking about it with Laurent last week. Do you celebrate Mother's Day? And what does um, Gabrielle do for Mother's Day? Mm -hmm. And the answer is nothing. She has two dads. Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, we, we celebrated with, you know, uh, fortunately, Danny's mom is still with us. Mine is not. Um, so we definitely celebrated with her. And we'll be doing so as soon as I get off the show. Um, gifts and take her out to dinner, all that kind of stuff. We've always celebrated that. But no, we are not her mother. Y you know, the idea that she has two dads mm -hmm. isn't all that strange. Lots of kids, their parents have split and remarried. I have two mothers-in-law. Right because I have Brian's mom and then I have Brian's father's wife. Right. So I have Margaret, I have Yvonne. And they, you know, it, it's not that unusual to have No, it's it's more than one or not. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 people might try and make it to be confusing, but it's not. It's not. It's yeah. not at all. A lot of kids have multiple parents. We need to take a break. It is Pledge Drive here at KNON, uh, so give us a call, 972-647-1893. Send money. And that is our... Um, subliminal. Subliminal, thank yeah. you. Our subliminal guest, Leslie McMurray. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. It's here. And that was Patty Fink, the proud owner of a ladies' T-shirt. <laughs> hey, another tradition in May is, of course, the Kentucky Derby. Did mm -hmm. you watch that yesterday? I didn't, but I saw the results. I watched today. some of it. Yeah, Rich Strike was like an eighty-to-one long shot. Ended up winning. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the attendees at Churchill Downs was our former president, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and Rich Strike had an opportunity to meet Donald Trump and turn them down. He said, if I wanted to see a horse's ass, I'd have finished second. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. I like this guy. All right, I don't even know him, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a story. What a story. Um, we are talking about <laughs> a number of issues, but I can't go right into that. Uh, it is Pledge Drive here at KNON, and the easiest way to make a pledge is just to go online. That's how most of our pledges came in last week. I didn't know that we had done so well. This is the first time we made our pledge goal 
the first week of pledge drive in years. Uh, and when I say we, I mean our show. Mm -hmm. um, we are still $69,883 away from our final pledge. And so we're asking one of our listeners who happens to have $69,883. One and done. Yeah, yeah. Right. Go ahead and write Make a, a check. pledge. Write a check. Put it on a credit card. You know, what? one of the techniques we would use uh, years and years ago to meet quotas like that, if you want to meet it fairly quickly, is just put never going to give you up on and play it over and over and over until you meet your pledge. <laughs> Usually happens pretty fast. We'll do that next week we'll on the Jewish Music Hour. <laughs> do they have that in, in, in uh, Hebrew? I'm sure. Because <laughs> I'm loving the translations that you play all the time it, when, you, it, when you host the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so give us a call, 972-647-1893, or we'll play. Never going to give you up. <laughs> over and over. Over and, and over and over. over. Um so the abortion uh, ruling was leaked. Uh, it's a draft. Yeah. Uh, what they're saying now is one, one of the things that uh, Chief Justice Roberts is doing by being on the other side of it is he's trying to peel away at least one vote in order to not overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, Gorsuch would be the best possibility, I think. I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, too. Alito and Thomas and, They're dug and Amy. Kavanaugh and yeah. Barrett, no way. No way. No way. So this abortion ruling, I've had people say to me, why are you even interested in it? And comments on Dallas Voice that are saying, why are you interested in this? Uh, lesbians don't get pregnant. Yes, they do. Oh, my yeah. God. What an ignoramus uh, comment. Yeah. Gay people don't have babies. Trans guys get pregnant. Yes, they do. Gay people. Trans people get pregnant. Gay people do have babies. It's, it's, it's whether or not you're a uterus owner as to whether you can get pregnant or not. Your sexual orientation, gender identity uh, don't really play into that too much. Mm -hmm. Does not. So th there are greater implications, though. If they're going to take away this right, what's the next right they're going after? Yeah, yeah, it's a slippery slope argument, but I think there might be some validity to it, given the insanity that we've been seeing over the last few years mm -hmm. of just, it's an odd form of governance, and it could be this desperate attempt to keep their jobs uh, is what's behind this, uh, and they're willing to hurt and kill people in order to do it. Uh, I was talking to Laurent earlier. I said what I would like to propose, and I think this would be great if uh, Congress would pass it, is if the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, the federal government should pass a law that says, okay, if states have the right to uh, ban abortion, then any person who becomes pregnant can appeal to the state, not even appeal, but to say, just kind of register more or less, and the state will pay to raise that child 100%, food, clothing, housing, health care, uh, football uniforms that they want to play football and youth hockey or whatever the heck else. Uh, they will have no student loan debt because the federal government will act as a parent saying we're going to force this kid to be born so we're going to pony up and we're going to make sure because we're pro-life and everything. Because if you just tell a kid we're going to force you to be born and take that first breath and after that you're on your own, that's not pro-life. That's not giving a kid a fighting chance. But stepping up with a checkbook, that's giving a kid a, a fighting chance. That's really living up to the ideal of pro-life. So pay for it. 
So every single kid that you force to be born, step up of the checkbook. And I would also add to that, Bill, again, it's yeah. imaginary, that they need to pay for the mental care for the young mothers. And we're talking about teenagers mm -hmm. who have gone through something pretty traumatic, yeah. and, but were forced to uh, give birth. Yeah. Pay, for their, pay for their mental care for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I remember when abortion became legal in New York State, and Roe v. Wade was... 73 so this must mm -hmm. have been 72 or 71 yeah. my mother was working at white plains hospital at the time and um what surprised her the most about legalized abortions were the number of 12 and 13 year olds who were checking mm -hmm. into the hospital mm -hmm. she said that was the majority well and also i think people need to understand that it doesn't stop abortions it stops safe abortions right it stops doctor-supervised abortions because you're threatening doctors uh, for doing mm -hmm. that. And so it, the, it goes back to those horrible days in the 50s, 60s, and uh, early, early 70s of the old mm -hmm. back room. It's kind of like what they do with pumping parties now for some trans people that aren't able to afford surgical care. They'll inject industrial-grade silicone into their bodies, and some end up dying from it. Uh, so the more you deny health care, it's, it's like doctors that deny cross-sex hormones to trans people. Uh, great. So the doctor isn't going to give it to them or give them a prescription and then monitor their blood work and track their health. Instead, they're going to say, no, I don't believe in that sort of thing. So they'll go and get it off the Internet. And they might get it from China or Canada or Mexico or wherever they can find it from with varying degrees of potency. They're not going to follow up with uh, regular blood tests to monitor their health care and make sure it's in the right mm -hmm. areas there. Um, and they're not going to give themselves the talk about informed consent uh, so that they know what the risks are. Uh, so those doctors, by denying it to them, are creating an adverse health care outcome, or potentially adverse anyway. And it's the same sort of thing with abortion. You force people into situations where they're going to end a pregnancy one way or another, uh, right. and oftentimes it ends up with the death of both the mother and the child. Right. And so, you know, before um, Roe v. Wade, um, you're right, abortions were still taking place, um, you know, black market abortions or whatever, and women or people were dying. Uh, but now it seems like you know, anti-abortion um, advocates who uh, want to roll back and go back to that, they're actually being more draconian now because now they want to criminalize you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, even if you do go get an abortion, um, for, you know, in the worst circumstances, you're not doing it in a, in a clinical setting. Okay, well, if they find out about it, now they want to send you to prison for it. Mm -hmm. um, or fine you in, or fine in Texas you. case of ten thousand uh, dollars to make it uh, a civil penalty, which is what it is in Texas. And and some do, I think Ohio has one one of these trigger laws on the books that they want to make it illegal for you. You can't even leave the state. It's like okay, fine. You don't want me to get an abortion here. I should be able to free freely go out of the state and do whatever I want to do. They don't even want you to do that. In Missouri, Planned Parenthood has just built a, uh, or in St. Louis, uh, Planned Parenthood has built a clinic just over the river in Illinois. Mm -hmm. So part of the Michigan, uh, the Missouri law is making it illegal for somebody to participate in an abortion of a Missouri resident. So they will have criminal charges filed against the people in Illinois. Good luck proving it. 
I, 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 yeah. I, I don't even know how that could stand up in law as far as being constitutional. You can't freely drive where you want to drive, go across state lines. Not if you're pregnant. You know, but but again, like, I, like Leslie and I were talking earlier, we were talking about the possibility of, you know, of them rolling back Obergefell. Um, of course, everything she said was correct, but it just made too much sense. You know, you kind of sit there to think, well, they'll never overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, here we are. So <laughs> I, at this point, I think anything's possible. Do you think the uproar that we've seen this week and that's going to continue is going to change it the opinion and backlash? The court. Uh, because there's, when you look at consistently, uh, the numbers are around 70 percent of people in the United States favor a woman's right to choose. If those people get out and vote, then it could change things in a great big hurry. It could completely turn the 2022 election on its head. It could change 2024's outcome a lot. Uh, it, abortion could suddenly become that litmus test for the other side, uh, as it has been for conservatives for a while. Uh, it's one of the first things they asked when they were interviewing Amy Coney Barrett, when they were talking about Brett Kavanaugh. And, mm -hmm. um, Susan Collins, I know, is shocked that uh, she you know, was Kavanaugh shocked. Would, would lie to a woman. Shocked, right. Uh, which is unusual. I was shocked myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that is, for those who don't know, they were asked, uh, you know, our listeners, they were asked during the, their confirmation hearings, would they overturn Roe v. Wade? And they said, no, it's settled law. Well, Kavanaugh, I think, invited somebody out for a beer first. Yeah. And, and then... <laughs> so, if... if those that favor Roe v. Wade, and it's important to them, they'll get out and vote, and that could change things dramatically. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they don't show up and they don't make their voices heard, then it's going to be what it is. And again, that voting for abortion rights is also voting for same-sex marriage. It's voting for the right to transition. Do you think that's a right that could be taken away? Perhaps, yeah. And yeah. I don't even want to expose ways that it could because I don't want to put ideas in people's heads. But I, I think they're already there. When you talked about trigger <laughs> laws, one of the things, Lawrence v. Texas, that law has never been taken off the books in Texas. Right. It's still there. It's been overturned. It's been ruled unconstitutional, and they can't uh, uh, prosecute based on that. But if the sodomy law ever is found to be unconstitutional, they don't have to create a law. It's already on the books. It's right. Just right. like that. Right. Same thing with defining marriage as between one man and one woman. It's already on the books. They've never, they've never uh, taken it off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something that they can't, they can't right enforce. now prosecute. So uh, if those things get overturned, a lot of states, Texas being one of them, will have that right there. The question that I had and we talked about is that it creates uh, conflict, though, because you have things like the full faith and credit law, which means like if you have a driver's license in California, you can drive across Michigan and not get pulled over for not having a driver's license because you don't need a Michigan driver's license. They honor the ones from California. So court rulings uh, that are in Texas are just as good as in California if you have you know, these civil court rulings. Marriages, you don't have to get remarried in every state you move to. You know, right. Each state acknowledges the marriage of another state. Well, for a while you kind of did have 
have to do that? Well, for a while, yeah, because you couldn't get married in every state. It wasn't a mm -hmm. national law. But if you were married in uh, New Mexico, uh, same-sex marriage, you could bring that to Texas, and they would recognize it as a married couple. Uh, they may have said, oh, we, we're not going to let you get married in a church. It's a civil union or whatever, but you had the rights accorded to married couples. Um, they would have to unwind that, and I don't know how you do that. Uh, I don't know how you create an ex post facto rule where people that are already were married are now unmarried, and then how do you divvy up property and things that are accrued together and combined and, you know, households and who has well, to sell the house and it, it could... After Proposition 8 chaos. in California, which undid same-sex marriage in mm -hmm. California before... Obergefell, or no, before it was... It was before Obergefell. It was before Obergefell. Oh, yeah, it was before yeah. Obergefell, and then it was eventually repealed, but it stood for a while. But about mm -hmm. 18,000 couples married mm -hmm. in a, in a six-month period, yeah. and when they repealed it, the 18,000 couples remained married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I say you can't unwind the marriages. You can say, from this day forward, you cannot... Like if there's a, a particular ruling, uh, you can say from this day forward we are not going to allow same-sex marriages, but you can't go back and unwind. But they'll try. They'll try. They may. I just, uh, I'm really dismayed, and this goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, is the mental health aspects of it. Mm -hmm. It's just the, the very discussion of what's going to happen in that fear the slippery slope argument is, oh, this is going to be uh, a reversal of rights going back to the 1950s. That, that's how we're going to make America great again, by you know, bringing back Jim Crow laws, for God's sakes. Right. I mean, the, the country is like slammed into reverse and our transmission's laying on the street somewhere. Well, Greg Abbott, and we'll talk about this after the break, he proposed a lawsuit that's... Uh, that contradicts a, a 1980s lawsuit that said that, yes, a state has to provide public education to all of its, uh, its school-aged children. He wants to reverse that. Yeah, he was talking about undocumented, the children of undocumented parents. But if you have a set oh, of undocumented parents... Uh, he was not just talking about the, parent, the, the kids of undocumented parents. He was talking about those trans kids who are in our mm -hmm. schools, we don't want them. Yeah. Those gay kids who are causing all these problems in our schools, we don't want them. And do we have an example of that? Yeah, in Irving, where uh, two kids get into a fight, the gay kid goes to disciplinary school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it is pledge drive here at KNON, and um, so I, that sounds like a plea for school vouchers. That way, you can go wherever you want. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But if you donate here, you're not donating for school vouchers. No, you're not. Give us a call nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. That's nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. You got a pledge earlier that yeah, we never uh, announced. It was a, it was a first time pledger, but it was to the Jewish Music Academy. Oh, okay. Well, what was the name? Karen there? Rosenkrantz. Karen, thank you very much for pledging. You can get a t-shirt at Target for less, but it comes without the feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and at Target, they don't have the lovely pink ladies. No, they, no, they don't. No, they don't. Um, you can uh, make a pledge through Cash App now. If you have Cash App on your phone, go to dollar sign and then capital letters for KNON Radio, dollar K-N-O-N-R-A-D-I-O. -O. To make a quick and easy pledge, that's um, all caps, and the pledges are not eligible for premiums if you use uh, Cash App. I've got so, Venmo. Does that work? 
Venmo doesn't work. Oh, I'm gosh, sorry. I was going to give you guys so much money. Well, but y y if you don't, we'll pass that along. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't have uh, if Venmo doesn't work, you can still get set up on what we call <laughs> sustaining donations. This is a monthly donation that can be set up on your credit or your debit card, and it comes out of your checking or saving account every single month. So you set the amount. Don't have to worry about it. Um, the, the minimum is $5, but even that, $5 over a 12-month period, that starts to add up. So that would absolutely make a difference. Call us now and tell us what um, would you would like to help with them making a monthly donation. It's easy. It's automatic. Um, nice. It also uh, gives the station a regular income. That's right. That we can rely on. Mm -hmm. So. So give us a call, 972-647-1893. We'll be glad to get you set up on that. Do you take Bitcoin? Not yet. Wow. <laughs> Opportunity knocks yet again. <laughs> the question is, will you answer? Do you know I was pitched a speaker uh, or a guest for the show that does a cryptocurrency that helps end uh, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I would, that, that would be interesting. I have, I have no, no idea, idea what that means at all. Um, I'm trying to get an answer. Yeah. So it wouldn't be Bitcoin. Oh. It would be this other coin. <laughs> um, one of the reasons that we're pushing uh, Pledge Drive so hard, even though our show made our goal, KNON's uh, bringing in 25% less each year since 2020 due to uh, reduced underwriting and reduced benefits, benefit shows, not reduced, they were canceled for two years. Um, but KNON's expenses vary each month, but now average about $45,000 a month. Things like the tower lease has gone up to $5,480 a month. Um, the office rent has gone up since we moved uh, from our tornado studio. It's better that we're not there, the building was torn down. Uh, but the rent here now is $3,750. So for a $3,750 pledge, actually for a $100 pledge, you're paying our rent for the pledge period, mm -hmm. if you divide that up. So give us a call, 972-647-1893, 972-647-1893. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. This is Raphael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And Leslie just said, I know him. Raphael McDonald also works at Resource Center. Um, Greg Abbott and the idea of taking away education from kids. Yeah, um... <laughs> I can't imagine who would be in favor of that. I mean, when he was talking about, or at least I heard last week, um, taking away the ability to pay for education of parents of undocumented children, or the undocumented adults. If undocumented adults have a child, you know what they call them? They're called citizens. <laughs> if you're born here, you're a citizen. Right. Uh, and so, therefore, you should have access to education. That shouldn't even really be a discussion about who your parents are. But even are. a kid who isn't a citizen, they're living here. Yeah, well, if, if they are a citizen, they absolutely should. And if they're not, yeah. Uh, I just don't understand the downside. 
in educating someone because then they become someone who is working and contributing to the tax base and contributing to the economy. I mean, that, that's a good thing last time I checked. And it's not like we are having this overabundance of workers. It's like there's a, a labor shortage last I heard. So I know let's educate people up. Let's get them qualified for jobs. Let's, you know, keep the economy out in front of things. Uh, it's just everything that they're doing at least is on brand of saying, let's go back to the way things were in 1950, where we didn't have uh, vaccines for things. <laughs> and, uh, we were racists and uh, didn't believe in health care. And I, just all the ridiculous things that are going on right now, they don't seem to serve a legitimate state interest. Well, we believed in health care, but doctors made a house call for $15. Yeah. Which was a week. Laurent's looking at me cases. like, I don't know what world you were living in, but... <laughs> yeah, that hasn't existed since I have been born. <laughs> but it existed when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. The, the doctor would, you know, rather than have a sick kid come into the office, they'd just make a few house calls. Yeah. Um, yeah, my parents never ran around claiming that, like, smallpox vaccines were fake and that, you know, polio right. had microchips that were put in there by J.P. Morgan or whoever was back in the day. All right. Um, I mean, ridiculous arguments. Kind of stupidity. But the idea of not educating kids, a kid that's not in school. Well, we've seen the peril of that now. I mean, if you want to see what happens when you don't educate kids, go back and rewind the tape to January 6th. Look what's happened. That's what happens when you get a bunch of people that haven't been educated. <laughs> well, that was my point. Gene just said they turned to crime. Leslie's point is they turned to lunacy. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was kidding kind of with the right to transition, but I'm kind of not. Yeah. Um, the laws that have passed so far are about a a minor's right to transition mm -hmm. yeah. or to use puberty blockers, which can lead to a transition, a permanent transition once the kid uh, turns 18. Yeah, it can. And sometimes a little bit earlier, they'll, uh, they used to wait uh, till 18 to use cross-sex hormones, but they're doing that a little bit early now because um, by 18, all of your contemporaries have gone through puberty except you. Uh, you still look like this androgynous 11-year-old, mm -hmm. and you're 18. <laughs> so uh, allowing people to transition at, say, 16 is happening a little bit more common, or at least it was before the bottom fell out of everything. Uh, but it's a, it's a, to me, even discussing the nuts and bolts of it is that's one example. Uh, but for the child, it's something that I would have died for growing up because it just wasn't available to me. Mm -hmm. But to not have to go through the puberty that I went through, to not have to be six feet tall and have size 12 feet and have a voice that sounds like your uncle instead of your aunt and big hands. and I mean, I would have loved to have grown up and had the proper puberty. It would have made my life a whole lot easier than it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, and kids know that now. Uh, and to deny that to them is just cruel. Uh, but the kid is very much in favor of it. And I think that's kind of the litmus test for child abuse because most kids are not in favor of getting beaten with a belt or whipped or whatever other horrible things uh, apply uh, under uh, child abuse. But affirming medical care and a loving household is not child abuse. Um, but to uh, tell kids that 
and to deny that to them is forcing them into an irreversible puberty, and it's just wrong. The American Medical Association agrees that that, that kind of affirming care is the way to go. The Endocrine Society, the American Academy of Pediatrics, on the American Psychiatric Association. So you have both parents, the child, the uh, doctor that's treating the child, endocrinologist, and the psychiatrist or psychologist all agree. Any one of them can say, no, this is inappropriate. Any one of them. But if they all agree, that's a lot of medical firepower all saying the same thing. I don't think they need help from Austin. I, I think that's part of the problem, what, what you just mentioned, as far as the kids want it. And the, uh, you know, the opposition, they're framing it that it's just kids who wake up one day, little toddlers saying, you know, a, a little boy saying, oh, I think I want to be a girl today. And that's how they're framing it. No, and it's like, no, it, incorrect. It, that's totally incorrect. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, my kid went, today told me he wanted to be a truck. So are we going to transition to a truck? I mean, I've heard these, I've heard people actually say this kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, they, well, there's we, a lot of stupid people. There's a lot of there. stupid people. Again, we we'll go back to the education thing. Cause, yeah, yeah, right. That's right. what happens when you get people that don't have education. All right. So, you know, they're saying, you know, well, kids don't know what they want, so they, they need to wait. And it's like, no, that is absolutely not it. It's you much know, it's more funny. serious than that. When they say kids don't know what they want, uh, or that the, how can a kid know that they are uh, transgender? So I just turn it around and say, your kid is like 11 and they're playing uh, peewee football. Uh, how, why would you let them do that? Because they don't even know if they're a little boy yet. Right? Mm. So they only, they, they only question the child when the child disagrees with something the parent says or if they are outside the norm, then right. they question it. But if they act stereotypically according to most, then it's like, oh, well, of course they know who they are. Right. I, I don't care if they're 11, they, that little kid knows he's a boy. Yep. But otherwise, they question it. And I can tell you, trans kids are just as sure of themselves as any other kid. Mm -hmm. It just goes against the norm, and I don't understand why. I know how I felt and feel. But I can't tell you why. Let's go back to the, the, the opinion again, which is not law. Um, does, it, does it talk about the nuts and bolts of what they consider child abuse as far as the medical care? So in other words, let's take a, a, a child who's transitioning, but they haven't done anything. They certainly have not had surgery, but they're not even taking hormones. They really just maybe... You know, but maybe if it's, if it's a trans boy, he got a haircut and he's wearing boys' clothes. That's about as much as he's done as far as the transition. Is that is? Are they saying that's no part of what's being criminalized? And, and that's good to bring up uh, because here's what transition looks like for a kid who's say seven, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and again, this is a generalized. It's not for everyone. This this is an example. But a kid who's seven uh, goes to the parents and says, I'm not a boy like you've been saying, I'm a girl. And the, the parents say, oh my goodness, well, we want to affirm you. Have you thought about a name that you like? Uh, what pronouns do you want to go by? Uh, let's go get you some clothes, da da da, da. So uh, they do that. Uh, so it might be hairstyle, clothes, name, pronouns. 100% reversible. So when they sit in Austin and they talk about things like uh, genital mutilation, uh, hair, pronouns, name, clothing, uh, have not mutilated anything, and they're 100% reversible. Uh, the clinical diagnosis for a transgender kid is are they insistent, consistent, and persistent? So are they insistent? Mom, I am not a boy, I'm a girl, over and over, and never not that. Uh, are they consistent? 
always I'm a girl and it doesn't vary from that persistent over time so the child is enrolled in school in the second grade identifying as a girl girl's name and the kids all look fairly androgynous at that point anyway this continues through the, the second grade and the kids happy and flourishing eighth grade same thing uh, or third grade fourth grade uh, when the child hits, in uh, one medical example, they use Tanner, the, there's five Tanner stages of puberty. The second Tanner stage, Tanner stage two, they will introduce if the child wants it, if everybody feels it's appropriate, that's when the puberty blockers might come into play. So this might be four years after this child has said, this is who I am, and they have lived that way for four years, which is an eternity for someone who's 11. So if it hasn't varied at all, then the doctors would say, okay, well, this is pretty appropriate for this kid right now because they're very, very unlikely to change their mind, and the research shows that. It's very unlikely to happen. So then they would introduce these puberty blockers. That's what the governor has an issue with. Thing is, if you remove the puberty blockers, the child picks up from Tanner stage two and goes forward from that point. If you have the puberty blockers in for a year, six months, whatever it is, it goes back to whatever that the child was at. It's just like just pausing it. Uh, if the child decides to go on and the parents and the doctors and all that say that that's appropriate, then at age 15, 16 years old, then they might introduce cross-sex hormones. They can also say to the kid, if you want to have biological children, you can donate sperm or eggs, or whatever the case might be, because there's going to be, if you stay on cross-sex hormones long-term, there's going to be some issues with your sterility. But keep in mind, from seven to 16 is nine years, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? That's a long, long time of insistent, consistent, persistent. And so it's the cross-sex hormones uh, prior to 18 and puberty blockers, ironically, prior to 18. Who hasn't gone through puberty at 18 years old? So they're saying, oh, at 18 years old, you can have these? Well, it's absolutely silly. Right, mm -hmm. right. You know, it's like you can fix the dam after it got broke. Well, sorry, we don't need it at that point. So that's what they're picking on is puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones. They can't stop social transition. I want to go back to the parent's reaction. Yeah. So a kid's seven years old, mm -hmm. and you're saying insistent, consistent, and persistent. Yeah. And I know, I know I've spoken to parents who've beaten themselves up for not accepting the kids saying, no, but mommy, I'm a girl. Yeah. Uh, immediately. Uh-huh. How long is consistent for the parent to not just always oh, just playing, always oh, just a phase? I think it's it's sort of like obscenity. You know it when you see it. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that doesn't vary. It's sort of like uh, there's been a lot of male children that have picked up a doll out of either curiosity or interest, and mm -hmm. the father knocks it out of his hands and says, that's a girl's toy, leave that alone. I always thought it's kind of weird because there's, you know, some of the fathers uh, that are real manly will say, well, we don't want to make my kid gay playing with dolls and things. Uh, so here, put that doll down. Here's a naked G.I. Joe. Go play with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of <laughs> wonder about that sort of logic. Uh, but if it, the child is, is saying, I am not, if you look at jazz, is a good example. If, if you mm -hmm. saw the original Barbara Walters story with Jazz Jennings, mm -hmm. she's a good example of a kid who is stubbornly, this is not who I am. These kids throw tantrums if you are trying to put boy clothes on them or a girl who identifies as a trans guy uh, 
and you try and put a dress on that kid, they are going to fight you all the way through it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how you know. If it's a kid that's just playing around with it, uh, it's not unusual at all for kids to experiment with gender or expression. It's not unusual, and it's perfectly healthy, and it's perfectly normal, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you'll know because they're just experimenting with it, and they go back to whatever it was they were doing, and that's fine. They go through phases and stuff. But for someone who's non-binary or transgender, it's not going through a phase. It's mm -mm. This is who their identity is. And I didn't mean that a kid would be going through a phase, but how does a parent know that the kid is... Because it's consistent. Because They are insistent. Yeah. They will argue with you. They will fight with you over it. And they are consistent. They are not saying, well, okay, I guess today I'm a boy, but you know, tomorrow I might be a girl, and they're kind of, you know, keep pushing it forward. Uh, but the parents have to be tuned into their kids because it's one of those kind of things I tell kids all, or parents a lot uh, when I do these trainings for them is that your kids, you may not think so, but they're always listening. They're always listening. So if you have a kid who may be thinking about coming out, because I knew from a very, very early age, and I, most of the people that I talked to were in the LGBTQ community knew from a, a pretty early age that they were at least different. If they couldn't put an absolute pin on it, they knew. So if you're sitting there watching TV with your dad and uh, there is an LGBTQ or transgender character that gets killed on that, how do you react? Because your kid's watching. They're listening. Mm -hmm. And so if you're there cheering and ah or making some sort of snide comment, don't be shocked when your kid uh, comes out at college and you end up hearing about it second or third hand. Because I may be scared to tell you. Yep. So they're always listening. So love your kids unconditionally. Your job as a parent is not to create something that or someone to live out your dreams. It's to help them live out their own dreams and to live their best life. That's your job as a parent. And doing otherwise is failing. Leslie, yeah. thank you for being with us again. As always, thank you. It is Pledge Drive. You can give us a call. Gene is still here uh, answering phones, 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. Or go online to knon.org uh, and hit the Pledge Now button. We're going Thanks out for with me. Well, we'll have you again. Okay. And we're Next going out. Pledge Drive. No, <laughs> right. pencil that in now. Um, we're going out with music from Lisa Messiah. Saw her yesterday performing at uh, the Scarborough Fair. Sure.